There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into this podcast. This is the Friday edition of the podcast. As we close out this week, we'd like to thank each and every one of you that listen, those of you that listen every single day. We certainly are thankful for you. We're glad that you're listening, glad that you tune in. For those of you that support the podcast, we certainly appreciate that. Every little bit helps. We rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. He's given us his computer. He's given us his fine sound setup. And uh, we've tweaked it, played with it, got it working pretty good. We're thankful for that. But more than anything else, it's the people that pray. With those that reach out, let us know they've been praying for us. We certainly are thankful. Those that don't reach out, but secretly they go in their closet to pray. And they pray for this ministry, pray for the podcast. We certainly appreciate that. And those of you that reach out, ask questions, speak to us. We certainly are thankful for each and every one of you. Lord willing, on the 10th, which is next Sunday, uh, Manasseh Community Baptist Church in Blaine, we're going to have an afternoon youth meeting. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come. And uh, we're going to start probably about 1 o'clock or so, run up to about 5 o'clock. They're going to have a lunch plan for those that attend the morning services. Uh, there'll be at least some snacks, I believe a supper plan for those that stay all day. And I'm going to have several young preachers, so some novices, uh, but those who have been called to preach, preach the Word of God. And just because they're a novice doesn't mean they can't preach the Word of God. It doesn't mean they can't have power with God. It doesn't mean they can't know the Word of God. And I believe some of these novices can preach and be a help to us and be a blessing to us. And we do thank the Lord for that. It's not an insult to say somebody's a novice. You just don't lay hands on man suddenly. And you certainly don't put him in the position of a bishop as a novice, but it doesn't mean that he can't preach and help people with the word of God. And the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That man's been called to preach and God gives him that unction to preach. We glorify God and we thank the Lord for giving these young men the message. And so try to be there if you're able to. And if you're not able to, pray for us. Pray the Lord to just have his will his way. Hebrews chapter 8 today, I may go through the whole chapter. Uh, but he says, now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest. Now, this is the sum of everything he said up to this point. We're talking about the principles, the doctrine, partakers of the Holy Ghost, that enlightened group, those that have walked away, those that have come. Then we talk about the Melchizedek and priesthood. He talks about those priests on earth, those priests that died, those priests that have eternal life, which, of course, we know is Melchizedek. And we know it's also Jesus Christ, that great high priest. And he summarizes everything he said to this point in the book of Hebrews. And that's why you must read Hebrews in sequence. Because he summarizes it with this. This is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, what is the majesty? I believe there it's the Godhead. You can dispute. That's fine. But I believe it's the Godhead there. I believe he's on the right hand of that majesty. That's why he said, Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. We know he's on the right hand of God. 
Psalm 118, verse 16, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Why? It's a seat. It's a place. He said, strong is thy hand and high is thy right hand. Again, in a psalm. And so we see that, and we see that often the Lord Jesus Christ, we know it's he that is seated on the right hand of God. The word of God tells us that. He stretched out his right hand. He's the man of thy right hand, the word of God tells us. He says, thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. And then Psalm 16, 8, one of our great passages we use so often in the podcast. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, who is my Lord is. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I shall not be moved. And so the word of God tells us this. This is the right hand of God. Let my right hand forget her cunning. Who's that? That's we're talking about Jerusalem. Save with thy right hand and hear me. Psalm 108.6, say with thy right hand and answer me. Psalm 110, the Lord at thy right hand, that's a position, that's a place, shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see, again, there's many, many more verses. I'm just reading a few of these uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ, sit at the right hand. But the great summary, if you will, is the, the well-known passage, Psalm 110, verse 1, a psalm of David, the Lord said unto my Lord, and that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. We spoke of that already in a few podcasts ago. Unto my Lord, capital L, lowercase o-r-d, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So we know at the right hand of God, we know at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices where it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. That's why Hebrews 9.11 tells us, but Christ become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, as to say not of this building. Verse 24 of chapter 9, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. That's not where he is which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And then Hebrews 10, 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. So other high priests are ordained to give gifts. This man, Jesus Christ, at the right hand of God, has somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Jesus Christ did not offer those gifts according to the law. He would not be a priest on earth. He's a heavenly priest. He's our great high priest. He's a, after the order of Melchizedek, who serve after the example and shadow of heavenly things. What are the shadow of those heavenly things? And I realize there's types, there's shadows, there's pictures, there's all of these things. But the word of God tells explicitly here, this is a shadow this is something that we don't see the true. We see it vague. We see it not clearly. Uh, we see that God has ordained it so. Exodus 25 and verse 9. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. And so Moses was given a shadow of the heavenly things. He made it according exactly to the pattern God gave it. As Moses was admonished of God when he's about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. And so this tabernacle on earth is a shadow. Why? Because all it was was a pattern of that which is in the heavenlies. 
That pattern God gave Moses was the heavenly pattern. Moses made it on earth in the shadow of those things. It's just a shadow of those things to come. And he tells us this, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he have a better covenant? Well, verse 9 says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. This is a better covenant. This is for the whole world. This is for whosoever will. That's the covenant he's made. He made that covenant with their fathers. Their fathers rejected him. And because they rejected him, God would not do for them what he could do for others. And he'd made a covenant with them, but they disannulled that covenant. They didn't want that covenant. They tried to do away with that covenant. And yet, Jesus Christ was a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. What is that better promises? That he himself would be our high priest. He seated at the right hand of God would be a great high priest unto us. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Why did the first covenant have faults? Because it was the law. It was fleshly, carnal. He told us that. It was based on a man. It was based on flesh. It was based on things of this earth. Therefore, we know that it had faults. He said, for finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So he says, I'm going to make this covenant. I'm going to make this for you. Why? Because that first has faults. But this man, Jesus Christ, has no faults. His priesthood is the eternal priesthood. There's no fault in his priesthood. Jeremiah 31. I began reading in verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Glory to God, there's doctrine. Hallelujah. He puts the law in the inward parts. We're made new. God takes us and bursts us again, changes us inwardly, and write it in their hearts. That's a better promise. That's a better covenant. He's written this law upon our hearts. I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. Saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. What a better promise. What a better testament. What a better covenant that God would do that, that he would inwardly give man the words of God. He would write this law upon their hearts. Men that have been tainted by flesh, men that have absolutely defiled themselves in sin, men that have bitterly and angrily fought against God, yet God has redeemed them. He's brought them to himself. He's changed them inwardly. And he writes that law upon their hearts. And that's applicable to every single one of us. I realize Jeremiah is speaking of a day which is to come. But can I say to you, my friend, that day has come. Why? Because it's written upon my heart. Those of you that are saved, it's written upon your heart. That law is that schoolmaster. That schoolmaster brings you to Christ. And then he writes that law upon your heart. That inward change, that inward man is renewed in Christ Jesus. And he tells us not according to the covenant. We're in verse 9 of chapter 8 of Hebrews. That I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. And so the Lord took them by the hand, but they would not listen to his covenant. They would not regard him, so he would not regard them. Yet he had taken them by the hand, but what did he do? He let go of that hand. They didn't want God to guide them. They didn't want God to lead them. The mark of the true believer, by the way, is that they want to be led of God. 
As many as are led by the Spirit of God, what are they going to be called? Well, the Word of God tells us. They're the sons of God. And so if you're led by the Spirit, literally that is him taking your hand. That is him leading you as he led the children of Israel. He is guiding you as he guided the children of Israel. It's not your will, not your choice, not your decision. It's God's leading. And he does that for every believer that believes in his name. You don't have to second guess. You don't have to wonder. And if people just sit and wait on God and wait for God to move them, wait for God to position them, wait for God to change them, what a difference it would make in their life. I believe I can say that with authority. You never move until God moves you. You never change direction until God changes direction. There's a lot of men today chasing money and chasing notoriety and chasing popularity and they're chasing everything else but God. But when God leads you by the hand, because he's written that upon your heart, God will continue in that covenant, which is Jesus Christ. And God will continue in those promises, which are of Jesus Christ. The saved will continue in the things of God. They don't fall away into perdition. They don't fall away into damnation. No, what do they do? They continue in the things of God. Why? Because he's written the law upon their hearts. And he's never going to expunge that law from their hearts. He's given them inward joy. He's given them inward peace. For this is the covenant, he said, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Say to the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. How about that? You think on these things. Don't your mind be renewed, which is in Christ Jesus. He will make your mind new. He'll put that law in your mind. You will think of the things of God. You go to try to be carnal, try to be sinful. And that law is written upon your mind. It's written upon your heart. You can't get away with it. Every believer has this. Every believer has that inward man that speaks to him. That law written upon his mind. He tells you that. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. How's that for soul winning? What he's telling you is when God writes upon their mind, upon their heart, no man's going to teach them to know the Lord because they already know the Lord. He's already done that for every man. That's that day which is to come. And that's not a very good soul winning program. I guess these guys that are going door to door every single day and trying to win the world with repetition of prayer, they're going to really struggle in the millennial kingdom. They're not going to know what to do with themselves. They've never learned to enjoy Jesus Christ in this life, never learned to enjoy and just sit and know that he is God and be still and know that he's God. They're going to really struggle with that. Why? Because they're not going to have to go teach their neighbor. Because every man's going to know him. Every man's going to know him from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Young lady recently told us of coming to Jesus Christ and being converted. She's, that's one of the first verses God brought to her mind when she realized that if she forgave others, Christ would forgive her. And that verse came to her mind, their sins and their iniquities, well, I remember no more. They're gone. He never remembers their iniquity. Why? Because he's written that law upon their mind, upon their heart. The inward man has been changed. That's the work of God, a miracle of God. That is a better covenant. That is a better promise. And that he said, the new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. That covenant's no more seen on earth. No more offering for sin. No more a sacrifice. No more tabernacle. No more the accoutrements of the tabernacle. No more the pomp of religion. It's all completed in Jesus Christ. A better testament. A better covenant. Folks, I do pray that you know this great inward peace. I pray that you do know this inward work of God. I pray that you know this work that God has begun is an inward work. It's an inward change, and it's available to whosoever will. 
God will put his law in your mind. God will put his law in your heart. Who will he do that for? Those that believe on his name. Those that find faith in Jesus Christ. He'll do that for every one of them. And my friend, that's a wonderful covenant. That's a wonderful promise. You don't have to be a Jew. You can be an old Gentile dog and still come to faith in Jesus Christ. Would you have a good weekend? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.